Welcome to the Accidental Fatherhood Podcast with James and Ash. We started this podcast because there isn't a lot of support out there for us guys. We're going through a pretty tough time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Accidents, not mistakes. Unplanned pregnancies and new relationships and what is going on with our lives. So we're trying to bring a little bit of support through some awesome special guests and it's a place to commiserate together. <laughs> we are rolling. Welcome everyone to the Accidental Fatherhood Podcast. You're here with James and Ash as usual. And we've got our very special guest today, Lissy Abrahams. Hello. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Would you like to give us a little brief introduction um, as to why you're here and, and what, what you do? What's your specialty? Why I'm here? Well, you rang me, so I'll, <laughs> I will see what happens after that. My specialty is I'm a couple and individual psychoanalytic psychotherapist, and I've had couples as my passion for the last 15 years, trained in London as a therapist there with a four years master's. And it's just been my absolute world, the land of couples, um, because we don't actually know how hard it is for people behind closed doors. So what is it, a psychoanalytic? Psychoanalytic, psychotherapist, and I work with couples in Sydney. I have a clinic where we have nine therapists at the moment and we're all helping people of different ages. So my whole world is the therapy world. It's about how to get my message across to people, how to help relationships, how to help people individually and help people improve their lives. A lot of... um, Shit goes down, actually, behind closed doors. And I really do believe that home can be one of the most dangerous places on earth. People talk about Rio, Bolivia, wherever, but actually I think behind closed doors we don't really know what's going on truly. And that's a really great perspective because you don't sometimes think about what because a lot of time people don't share with you either what's going on um, and you you have no idea what's going on in that intimate two-person relationship at home Mm. ever. And then we also have the beautiful images on Instagram yeah. and Facebook and everyone looks so fabulous and we're having fun in a swimming pool or at the beach or looks at a barbecue. But I know another side, which is a lot of those photos are often put out because people are you know, quite unhappy and they want to present a particular image. It's that there's so much shame for people not being in a happy relationship and it's just most people aren't talking about it. Some people might talk about it with a friend, but mm-hmm. most people don't openly discuss the extent of how harrowing it can be. Yeah, and that's what's good for us with this podcast and even with each other catching up every week because we get to kind of at least share with each other um, some of those more difficult challenges we've had in, during the week. And it's just nice to have someone to listen to you and, and kind of understand as well and know that, you know, their, their life's not perfect and my life's not perfect. And it is actually, you know, relationships take work, right? And, yeah. Um, and it's about having that understanding of each other and, and learning to communicate better, right? I think it's a constant endeavour, to be honest, I think, because we're changing across time. So when we meet somebody, we're going to go on a life journey and we are certainly not going to be the same at the beginning and in the middle and at the end, however long they go for. Um, So we have to keep curious about our partner, finding out who they are at different stages and ages across life. And the the relationship evolves too, that love can deepen and grow and the connection can change and there's all those things going on. So it really is this like thing in flux, right, that you just have to kind of navigate and um, try and understand and kind of that growth that's going on. And, yeah, I'm going to plug your book really quickly because I saw you wrote this amazing book, which is why I called you. I'm like, Lisa, you got to come on because I feel like this book is going to be so valuable for so many people out there. Um, So, yeah, the relationship. Have you read it, James? I have not read it yet. (laughs) I've not read it yet. I've got a lot going on. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I really do want to – 
like read it, How to Break the Cycle of Conflict and Create Secure and Lasting Love, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful um, title and relationship reset. I actually like the design of the cover too, mm. being a graphic designer. I think you've done a really good job there. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. I can't really take any credit for the name or the cover. That's all Pan Macmillan. They were absolute geniuses. So yeah, I'm very grateful for them coming yeah, you, up with it. It looks well like well thought out and yeah. polished and not just chucked together. There's a lot of thought yeah. and intent in there. And I, I think it feels great for the subject of the book in terms of the way it looks visually. That's great. From thank a, you. From a professional. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. But yeah, tell, tell us more about it. I'm really Okay, yeah. so I started this book in, I came up with the idea in July last year and it was, we were in lockdown in Sydney. I was going to say, you pumped yeah, the book I out. Yeah, I did, I pumped it out. I had, a lot, I had a chance to really write it and go for it. So it was quite a journey actually. So I have a friend who mentioned um, that I could contact her publisher when I mentioned to this friend that I, I wanted to write a book and so I, I did and within a very short time it all started to be, everything got put in place. It was a very organic process. There were a lot of people suffering in COVID. So what we had in Sydney and Melbourne with the lockdowns is a, whatever was locked in in that house was mm. locked in and you can imagine it's like kind of pouring concrete over it. So if you're in a happy home and you you want to spend time with your partner and then there's lockdown and you've got to spend that time and go for walks and hang out with the kids or do some homeschooling, that's fine. You know, it was great for some people. Yet for other people, if there were any cracks in their relationship, being stuck together in a space where they don't know how to work through conflict, where they've got all their kind of defences up and they're in, in um, you know, very small radius, we could only go five kilometres at a time and we could only go out for exercise. It's actually weird going back in time thinking about it, but yeah. it was a weird sort of... Um, Alternate universe. I actually loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm an introvert as well. I didn't mind having nothing to do and just chilling at home. And it depends what's locked in. So if you're happy, in your home, then it's great. Well, we're also up in Queensland. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of lockdowns up here, so we we got locked. We were very fortunate. Yeah, pretty lightly. But when all the gyms shut down and everybody's out walking along the river. Like when I was in Brisbane, it was the best. Well, yeah. we had actually had some beaches shut as well. So yeah. we were in, it was the first the first lockdown, we had beaches close and we weren't allowed to sit in parks. We actually had to all keep moving yeah, we had everything that. for exercise. It was weird. <laughs> mm. But I really knew that this was the time to write a book. Mm. And I was very fortunate the publishers understood the experience of COVID and really wanted to help people as well. So I wrote it very quickly. I wrote it in three months, my first draft. Wow. I just put my bum down and took my ADHD medication <laughs> <laughs> and got my hyper focus on and loved it. It was, it was an absolute privilege. I did work really hard with myself to set up that three-month period, though, because I set a very tight deadline with the publisher. I did buy an extra month to say, look, just in case something happens, if I get COVID, I need backup time. But I, I spoke to them about having a three-month mm. period. I'd never written a book before, so I didn't know how it, how it would work, but I just thought, let's go, <laughs> give yeah. it, give it um, that period. But I made a decision up front to really work with um, my ego, to not go into victim-y positions, to not become a martyr to writing a book and make a drama out of it. So each time I would... Um, actually just remind myself it's an honour and a privilege to have a book deal mm-hmm. and to be in this position. And that just kept my mind open to the experience. Yeah. So it wasn't closing down in self-pity. And what was the main um, drive for writing the book in the first place? Yeah, so there were a lot of couples who were locked in. And I didn't know how long it was going to go for at that point because we went into lockdown on the 26th of June last year, the second lockdown. And by early July, I had the thought that I'd like to do something. So I didn't know how long it would go for. 
and it was really I'd want I mean it was it's it isn't a COVID book there's it's actually not even mentioned in there it's all the same material but I just felt like there was nothing that was really thinking about couples in the way I think about them in my consulting room there wasn't anywhere that was had the book, had this book that others could access. And being one therapist at a time when we've got an absolute mental health crisis, I thought people can't access the help they need. So I wanted to put one resource out, you know, for now uh, to help people. To help people on a larger scale. Yeah. yeah. And it's been great because I'm getting messages from all over Australia. I'm getting people telling me that, you know, rural, like Victoria, all sorts of places that they would never normally mm. get that kind of help. But they're, yeah, they're accessing it and one... One person who contacted me on Instagram was saying, I've bought them for my friends because they actually understood the enormity of going on a journey. Because the book is all about how to, it's for, for an individual journey into how we relate. So it's not how to change your partner or how to get them to do things for you. It's nothing like that or it's nothing to do with love languages and making cups of tea and writing little notes in lunchboxes. That's not what this is. This is how do I think, how do I relate to my partner, but why do I do that? Why do I really have these expectations, opinions and values and what am I imposing on them? So it's sort of like uh, breaking you yourself down. So it's how to break yourself down and a guide to that so that you can figure out why you actually are, are wanting things from your partner or something. Absolutely. Things. That's exactly it. Yeah, Ash, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool. exactly it. That's so cool. And so it's looking at how do we, how, why we fight with our partner, why we um, create stories lots mm. of ego narratives and where that all comes from um, and then all about fight or flight responses because we're constantly, if for people who have conflict, there's a, they're getting triggered all the time. So really breaking it down, as you say, so yep. that you can take yourself on a journey through your, through your mind and body in relationships. Yeah, yeah. so cool. How many, um, how many of those things do you find uh, created in childhood? I, I read something really yeah. quickly in the back there and I went, oh, before we were filming. Um, but do you find that a lot and do you find these habits are formed from parents and it's like sort of getting handed down almost? Absolutely. And there's a lot of research to back that up. Uh, it, there's been a, there's a body of research called attachment theory. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you've heard of it. Yep. And they've done a lot of research into what becomes encoded in the mind of a child. It's the relational wiring that happens at that time and it's all sort of what we're mostly wired up by 12 to 18 months of age so you're you've got a little kid yeah you've got a little one who is being wired up yep 12 to 18 months 12 to 18 months wow that's yeah. really that's yeah. earlier than i thought yeah, yeah you so gotta get on this get on it right <laughs> i wish i'd known <laughs> yeah. my poor kids sorry girls um yeah it, it happens really early so 12 to 18 by 12 to 18 months you're child's kind of relational template or a program that they're going to use throughout life is pretty much formed. Wow. And it's really based on is there, are their parents around enough, are they present enough, not just around physically, but are you paying attention, are you responding to them in a timely enough fashion? Now, we're not talking about perfection here. Mm. We're talking about not leaving a baby too long in wet nappies or pooey nappies or too hungry they haven't got a lot of needs like that are different. Yeah. It's just a couple of things, but you, you've got to kind of get to them in a timely enough manner so that they don't get into that continuously distressed state that no one's there for me. Yeah. Because that's going to become traumatic for them. Yeah. I, d I heard um, Gabor Mate yeah, on um, Joe, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, and he said they did a study um, with um, loving their children, like a study where they loved their children a lot and when they didn't love their children as much. And he goes, 
basically the result of the study is you can't love your children too much. Mm-hmm. You can't like you can. No there's no such thing. Can't spoil them with yeah. love. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's abs- I mean, you can spoil them with stuff, but you can't spoil them with love. Yeah. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So you're in a great place about to have a baby. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. a really oh, they're going to be loved. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to. Um, I've, got, I've got a little nephew, which I've spoken about before, but just getting to know him has been a really beautiful experience in my life. And I can't wait. It must be so different when it's actually your child. Because yeah. I have so much love for that kid. Um, so, yeah. It's going to be cool. I'm, yeah, I'm looking well. forward to the. You know, everything, all the all, all the experiences, yeah. Um, do do bubs going back to what we we're talking about before? Mm-hmm. Do the bubs pick up on your um, relationship with your partner? Yeah, absolutely. In that eighteen month sort of period as well, and how you guys and how they how you interact with them is that is that something to be mindful of? Absolutely. Again? The most the thing that they encode the most is really the individual relationship yeah. with the parent. That that's even more important than what they're viewing for the couple. But they are still watching and they're absorbing the um, vibe, the energy of it, the happiness of it, the distress of it. Now, that's not to say we all have to kind of float around on cloud nine and pretend we're happy when we're not because there's nothing that – it's not about perfection. They can tolerate where there are ruptures and repairs, but they just – if they're frightened too much, if they're on edge too much, it's, it's affecting their physiology and that's yeah. going to cause anxiety later or clinginess yeah. or um, when they've reached, you know, if, if they're too anxious, they can sometimes become very um, much in their own other world where they cut off and don't look to their parents for help if they don't feel they can get their attention enough. They can stop looking for them and seeking out their help when they're distressed. So I call it that they're in, they're in a little fortress for one. Yep. You know, those people where mm-hmm. they just go into it and they don't talk when they're upset and they just work it all out and then later they'll calm down and go off on their own. But kids can do that from, you know, we can see that on footage between 12 to 18 months that they're yeah. already having this sort of pseudo-independence. Mm. It's not real independence. Yeah. It's not a resilience. It's a defensive position. Is it like is it like stone like stonewalling, like putting up a stone wall and, and just retreating? Like, it, yeah. Or it, is that a different term? It, it's a it, it's kind of like that, but it's more because of the retreat mm-hmm. that they don't have any expectation that anyone's there for them to mm. talk to. Yeah, right. That anyone's interested. How am I doing? But then they might meet someone who's really interested, and at first that can be very exciting as an adult. But then later on, they don't know what to do with it at all. We all sort of tend to retreat back to who we are, so we have to work that through again. And that's why I've written the book because we can live, live in the land of our defences, mm-hmm. and it's not who we are; it's who we become. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you, how many children do you have? I have two. Two children. Yeah. And they were both planned. They were. They were. Just checking. I so was so lucky. Yeah. yeah, you are. Yeah. I feel lucky every day. Yeah. yeah. They're now twenty, nearly twenty-three, and nearly twenty-one. So, do you have any advice? <coughs> We've been. Do you have any advice? I'm not going to bring up any circumstances. Oh no, I was going to. I was going to say teenage pregnancy. No, no I, I was. I was going to say, do you have any advice for um, people like us who have just found out their partner's pregnant mm-hmm. and just navigating that new relationship that we've. Um, like I'm navigating it as best I can at the moment. I haven't had any professional advice, but what advice would you give someone like us who are navigating that new relationship? The child's come on. It's getting. It's gone from like really light and fun to mm-hmm. you said don't say heavy because of pregnant women. Yeah. But, but it's gotten really heavy really quickly, really serious. Um, so, yeah. What what advice would you give um, James? Start a podcast. 
<laughs> what what advice would I give? I, I think it's just really about acknowledging the minute you become a parent and that starts in utero, it gets serious. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that sort of thinking about can we afford this? Are we in the right position? Have we got the right housing? Is the relationship strong enough? Especially when you're not expecting the pregnancy. It, you know, there's a lot that you've you've sort of walked into without the planning. Thank goodness babies take nine months because it gives you nine months of planning. But a lot of couples have had the conversations prior to that around, you know, how to how to navigate what are we going to do how will we navigate this yeah so, and how would how would we work as a couple to bring the child up and kind of work on those yeah. those logistics as well or even pretend logistics because yeah. no one really knows until no. the baby's born yeah. what's going to happen and what's going to change internally yeah but i think what you probably i don't know if you can tell me if i'm right or wrong here but you, it, it gets you into that territory where all of a sudden you need to be able to support people mm-hmm. and that gets really serious you had that didn't you that yeah. that like like the drive to like, I need to provide, I need to yeah, provide. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I feel that as well. I, I, for us, I think the romance died very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like and not intentionally, but I know my partner was feeling very kind of anxious about the whole thing. And um, there's all, you know, a lot of hormones going on. And it kind of like went so serious that we're like, and, and questioning the relationship and are we doing the right thing? And um, there was a lot, a lot of that being thrown around, which made me really anxious because I, I actually really liked this gun. I, I, I did see a plan for us to do something like this down the track. So it was a bit of a, but it was still a shock for me and it was definitely a shock for her. So she was really like um, str- struggling to kind of navigate it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made, made things a little bit hard on our relationship. Um, even though I'm like, I'm all in, I'm going to be here. Let's do this. Um, I, and I just tried to be that tree, you know, in the, yeah. and just, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. Um, and, and it, but it's been hard. It's been, uh, you know, there's, it's not been a smooth ride and there has been some sometimes negative feelings around things that when, you know, when challenges come up and, you know, we're both just navigating the best we can and we have so much respect and I, I do believe we both love and care for each other, but sometimes it's not expressed because, um, yeah, we're both kind of, it's very serious, you know. Well, you got into the land of defensiveness, <laughs> I'm sure, somewhere. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. where you went from probably being more open and discussing things and alive as a couple, it becomes, it's quite a traumatic thing to find out you're pregnant when you, it's not on your radar, mm. I think, for a lot of people. it's like It takes yeah. you off your trajectory and moves you completely somewhere else in a very, you know, within a second. And... It, it's coming. The baby's coming. You can't stop time. Yep. You can't refocus. But you two lost your honeymoon period. You lost your beginning. Yeah. And you were always going to. We know that, James. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. You were always going to because, you know, you, you both had fun. Yeah. And with that fun, it wasn't really an accident. It was a risk. Yeah. And it was always a possibility. It's just it was confirmed that, you know, the chip went that way, not the other way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, you know, when you're in a couple – and you go through those hard times. You you can you can always reflect on. Oh, I remember that time we went on holiday together, and we've got this kind of, you've got that relationship equity, I would yeah. say, or something like yeah. that. Like it's a, you've got the fun times to get reflect on and go. Oh, you know, we're going through hard times, but you know, it's not forever. I know we've had these great times before, but we haven't had the we ha- we don't have those memories and those experiences together that gives us that really strong foundation of trust and assuredness. Yeah. So you do um, have a baby coming though. So the ba- and the baby's bringing. To be honest, the baby is bringing us, bringing us closer together. And we did decide that 
we're putting too much pressure on ourselves to be the romantic couple. So we decided to put, just put that down for now and just really build on a really strong friendship yeah, nice. and support for each other. Love it. And then and then grow together as, and and hopefully that that you know that will come back to us once the pressure's off and we we get to know each other again and what that dynamic with the kid is like as well. So yeah, but is yeah, what advice would you give someone just finding out we're pregnant? Is there anything you would I would suggest some therapy actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, couples therapy because it would it could really help some of the the blocks and I, I love the fact you're working on your relationship that's awesome you're not just going into little silos and doing your own thing until the baby pops out um but I would actually recommend some therapy probably sooner rather than later because yeah. it, there's a way of joining up and really connecting it, it, you don't have to be a couple to have a child I mean my daughter she my older daughter she said to me I think that friends should have babies and that you share the baby Forget the whole relationship thing. If it's one mm. in two people are, you know, one in three marriages don't survive and we're all bringing babies into these relationships anyway, what's the point? So you may as well just have a child with a friend. I don't think that's such a bad idea. What a clever, how old is no. your daughter? Yeah, she's 23 nearly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, Yeah, that's a good idea. I think it is. So I think there's lots of other ways. In the, in the same way a lot of people aren't getting married anymore, mm-hmm. I think we will start rethinking how are we doing this because that, that model it, it's a you know hit and miss if it's going to work. Yeah, and I felt as as a guy, I felt very disempowered at the beginning because we don't have much of a choice in what's happening. We had a choice yeah. then, obviously, when the conception, but afterwards we don't have a lot of choice. And then, for me, I felt very vulnerable um, around what's going to happen when the baby comes, like as well. So I went, in, I had a lot of fear coming up for me, like you know, is she going to run off with my kid? And you know, these weird, not that she would ever do that, but mm. these unrealistic. Fears were started to come up, and I felt very, really vulnerable about I the situation. I don't think they're unrealistic. No? I think they're actually spot on because you didn't know her. You didn't have the years of the relationship, the, the foundation, to mm. know actually what is she like in this situation. So, you, you actually didn't know she wasn't from Sydney. Yeah. she wasn't from the Gold Coast. You didn't actually know. Yeah. So I think they're not unfounded at all. I think they're realistic, and I think you had to just go through and work that out together. Yeah. But I do think you had choices. Yeah, I did. I did. I think I you had choices, and I think part of the choice is what kind of father do I want to be? Do I want to be someone who pushes for a termination, or do I want to be someone who stands by, or do I just want to be a check in the or a bank transfer every two weeks? Yeah, I think you've. We do have that choice. You have a choice, and yeah. I, and you exercised it, saying I'm in. Yeah, I'm all in, even though it's got trickiness written all over it. Yeah, it. I think you you exercised your choice. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. I'd never thought of it that way at all. And I think as well with your partner, and we'll probably speak to this, but the communication part is a really big thing. And even though Alex and I can talk really well together and we can communicate really well, I've got this funny story that happened on last Sunday. I was a little bit, I was a little bit sad because we, I, I know I was going through a bit of um, victim mentality. I felt like I was being unappreciated, and I was, I was just really, really sad on Sunday. And um, Alex. I, t- I told Alex about this and I can share everything with Alex. She's very good. She she takes it all on and she doesn't argue with me. She's just like, okay, and she tries to understand. She's an amazing um, person for that. Mm. Um, and it's a really strong quality of hers. But she, um, at the end, on Sunday afternoon, she walked in with some treats in her hand, um, in one hand and this pillow in the other. I told you I had a pillow story. Yeah, yeah. She walked in with this pillow and these treats and she mentioned during the week that my pillows look really old and gross. <laughs> 
You know how you've got a favourite pillow? I've got this pillow. From when you were four. <laughs> it's not that old. Blanky. Blanky. It's not that old. Blanky. But it's, you know, it's that, just that pillow that's just, yeah. it's just great. Anyway, but it looked, it was old and gross. Anyway, she comes in with these treats in one hand and pillow in the other. And I thought, you know, she goes, I've got a present for you. I'm like, oh, thanks. And I thought she the gave treats. me the treats. And I'm like, oh, thanks um, for the treats. And they were delicious. And, I, you know, I'm a bit of a sweet tooth, so it's like perfect. That's cheered me up. Then she put this pillow on the um, on the kitchen bench. And I started asking questions about the pillow. Like, oh, yeah, where did you get that from? She goes, oh, it's a bit of an impromptu purchase. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, anyway, she... Uh, I got it out of the box and I just had a bit of a lay on it just to, you know, see what it was like, see what she bought, you know, thought nothing of it. She went out to dinner with um, one of her friends and I went to bed because I was tired and I put the pillow in her pillowcase for her because I'm like, oh, you know, um, she'll want to have a new pillow when she goes to bed, so I'll put it in the pillowcase. Anyway, I wake up in the morning and <laughs> I'm like, how was, your, how was your new pillow? And she goes, well, you mustn't have liked it. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? She goes, I bought that pillow for you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no idea. And this I said, is, that, this is a perfect illustration. You of- guys suck at communicating <laughs> with the presents. When they first got together, was, was it Valentine's Day? It was her birthday, I think. Was it the card that oh, you I, forgot? Yeah, it was the card. It was yeah. val- uh, Valentine's Day card. Mm. Yeah. James moved into a new place. Completely forgot to check the mail for a good number of weeks. Yeah. And then... She wrote this beautiful card. <laughs> got it delivered. James was... And I hadn't seen it. James was thinking... <laughs> and this was... This, this girl. <laughs> Who's this chick? She hasn't even done anything. Yeah, and I, I... Just not that into you. No, and then I um, had... The first trimester was really hard for us. Like, really hard. We, it's like I, call, I say baby bomb went off, and it just pushed us apart. And we had real trouble um, connecting and finding ourselves again. And it's taken, it's taken not, uh, six months to... We're fairly close now, but it's taken a long time to find ourselves again. (laughs) The first trimester was terrible. Uh, It was really challenging for both of us, and I felt really – it was like we were social distancing. It was like I didn't Mm -hmm. see – I saw her like maybe, you know, five times in the whole first trimester. Like she lived away. And anyway, um, I thought she didn't love me. I thought she didn't want anything to do with me. I'm like all I hear – because she's, you know, hurt people, hurt people. She was like kind of going through a lot, and she was struggling a lot, and – no, nothing nice was ever coming out of her mouth. It was always kind of quite negative or judgmental. And I know it wasn't intentional and I was just, you know, I felt like I just need to be patient and not take things too personally. Um, but then she goes, you know, you didn't even say anything about the card I bought you. And I'm like, I went to the post and I got out this beautiful card written by her mm. um, expressing how lucky she is to have um, met me. And I'm like, oh, you do like me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, to show, it goes to show that... Literally, her coming in with those presents and saying and giving and like just guiding me with this other present just made me think that that wasn't. And you this just went straight for the yeah, it was a, snacks. Yeah, it was just a really, <laughs> it was a really good illustration of how poor we communicate, poorly we can miscommunicate with each other on such a simple thing like a pillow. It's a really important one. I mean, therapy would be great because you you said a bomb went off. And <laughs> so bad that terminology. Well, no, I mean that to me speaks to the trauma of finding out about the baby and what you both went through. And without kind of the more of the rhythm of the relationship, you're making it up as you go along. Now, couples are usually making it up if they're not pregnant, they're still making it up, but you've got this pressure. You've had this enormous pressure to kind of make this work. 
to become a family unit mm. when neither of you are ready for that. And so it's great that you're doing the work together and talking, but it is a really big shock. And, you know, Ash, you've got your gorgeous one and happy days with that. But, you know, it is hard. It's a, it's a big blow to where you think you're heading in life. But for you to suddenly be in that place where you're having to navigate a relationship and it became really serious mm. at that point. So you, you lose your kind of freedom to just play. Yeah. And it I, takes I, a long time. Yeah, Does it, Ash? Where, where is it for you? Like, what would you say? In terms we're of we're good time? now. We're great oh, good. now. Great. But that's probably recent yeah, <laughs> since cool. this podcast. Um, but definitely at the start of the podcast, like, it was, I was very drained, very, and a lot of that was on me as well. Um, so, with the, and like this last week, um, since medicating for ADHD, it's been amazing. Delisha even said, we don't fight anymore. I was like, like, I was like, this is what it's like to come home and just get along. To just be, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So a lot of that was just me, well, me basically, but not even picking up on the cues, I guess. Um, but yeah, we even the first three months. I mean, and we were we were a little bit different to you guys. Like you guys are quite financially stable. Where we didn't know where we were going to live. I didn't have a job when we got pregnant. Um, Talisha went for a job, got a job, but then they found out she was pregnant, so they lowballed her a contract, okay. and then so she didn't take the job. So we were like financially, like under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, added adding finance issues on top of just like you said, getting to know each other, and then dealing with um, a pregnant person that's also nervous. I guess that was that mm. was challenging. But how long had you been together? Three months. Just three months. I mean, yeah. it's also a stranger. We have to be honest. Yeah. At the beginning, everyone's on their best behaviour. Everyone's trying to look as lovely and good looking and be everything. And, you know, you share these lovely intimate moments and a bit of vulnerability. But it's a bit of a show. Yep. Let's be honest. It's a mask, yeah. It's a mask. It's a bit of a show. And so to actually still be in the show time, then finding out you're pregnant, that's a big deal because you haven't had those moments yet of, oh, this is who I really am. This is me not trying. This is me tired. This is me when I don't tidy the house. This is me when I don't actually give a shit that you've had a big day at work because yep. I'm caught up in my own world. And that's, so. that's a scary thing because you don't, you, we've had a small amount of good times and then it's been tough and challenging for the, the remaining. It's like what's, and the hormones are there as well. Is this the real her? Yeah. Probably, right? Yeah, it's I, a really I, great question. And, and I know it's not. Yeah. But those thoughts are going through my head is like, is this the real her? You've probably well, seen her at the worst. At, yeah, yeah, and that's this, this is it's like Marilyn Monroe said, right? You got to yeah. if you don't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah, right. Right. Well, the thing is, is it her? It's her under Immense. a really difficult situation. Yeah, that's yeah. her in this state. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you've gone through your journey and you've gone through yours, Ash, and I go through mine in lots of different ways. Who are we when there's a blowtorch at the belly? <laughs> <laughs> then you find out. It's an interesting. Uh, so that's what pregnancy's like, guys. If you're wondering, it's like a blowtorch to the belly. Well, it's just. But it, I think the way that you've both been with women not that long, and then finding out that they're pregnant, it's it's straight into the territory of trauma for them. Mm. Yeah. And that's what there's this scramble. Who are we with this? And then if you weren't working, Ash, that's another major stress yeah. on top of it. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. So yeah, and, and as you said before as well, the I, f- I felt like on Sunday I was grieving 
the freedom, the life. I even said to Alex, I feel like I, I'm just grieving today. Mm. Is that because we went out on Saturday for a couple of drinks? Might be. A little bit fragile and hungover. And, but I, was, oh, I just meant like you, you got that taste of freedom. <laughs> no, no. For the night. Like, no. It was like we went out, we were home by eight. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big night. Maybe it's because you were home by eight o'clock, Ash. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the lack of freedom yeah. <laughs> that yeah. James felt a bit, uh, that felt sad the next day. Yeah, it's coming, it's coming for you, James. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just grieving the old life and the yeah. old, and I, I wasn't happy. I was very sad on about the relationship and where we were and... Mm. Until we had a really good chat about it, I just felt really sad that day, and I felt like I was grieving just a little bit of grief there of the trauma and the and you know the old me that is no longer. Um, mm. Yeah, it's so great you can talk about that. Yeah, it's really huge because I think if more parents, whether they meet and fall pregnant quickly, whatever it is, I think all of us there is some grief in the life that we leave behind, mm. and I love the fact that you just speak about that because so many people don't. I know for a lot of women who have been, they've often wanted a child um, and fallen pregnant and done it in that way, when they've been high achievers at work, there is nothing as awful for a lot of these women than having a child because there's no one at home saying, great job, or here's your money to make you feel like you've worked hard. It's just, it can feel such a demotion for women. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of grief for them, yeah. a huge mm -hmm. amount of grief about the, what they're not doing that they're not at work and they have to be at home with a baby. So, And they don't know that's coming. Yeah, There's not enough preparation for that. So I think the fact that you're feeling the grief is great. Mm -hmm. It's not fun, but it's great. Yeah, The more you can access that, the healthier it is. Yeah, and yeah. acknowledge it and move through it and kind of, yeah, accept it as well, accept the new the new life. Yeah, because you don't want to resent the child I don't, when, yeah. they, when they come along. Oh, man, this child's so. going to get so much love. I know mm. that. I know that. <laughs> yeah. There'll be no resentment at all. It's not, it's not yeah. even so much about the child itself. It's the situation yeah. of you in that space. Yeah. Where did free James go? Yeah. And James who wanted to date this person and have some time to get there, not just bang, you're in that world. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I had to plan, you know. I had the plan. <laughs> well, that's, and that's, that's what I was meaning before, you know, we, this whole idea that it's an accident. It's so not yeah. because for someone who has spent their life planning and being a perfectionist and living life in a kind of fantasy of control, there is no better lesson for you than mm. tipping the whole lot upside down and saying actually not planned, not chosen, but actually playing with fire yeah. on that passionate night with a lot of dopamine <laughs> surging through the system and reward centres going bing, 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 like Vegas, exciting. Mm. You both you both took a chance, which it's not that I wouldn't say it's a mistake. I think it, you needed this because there's nothing like a perfectionist getting a huge lesson about how imperfect life is and how survivable it is mm -hmm. that you can't actually get everything, all your ducks in a row and create that perfect relationship because maybe if you had tried and it hadn't been, then you might not have stayed with Alex to have the, have a child, not this child, but a child because mm. it might not have been perfect enough, this relationship. Yeah. And so this is just like that's been, That's the story, story of my life, story <laughs> of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So it's been, yeah, the universe gave me a good kick up the bum. Yeah, just a lesson in, yeah. in um, not things not being perfect, yeah. a lesson in make. Adapt, grow, yeah. change. I, and I'm so accepting of the situation and what's going on and I'm, I can't wait to be a dad. Mm. Like there's all of that. But, yeah, it's um, – and, you know, the challenges that go with that, I'm taking it on. So, yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah. Mm. So 
apart from counselling and therapy, what other tools could you give young parents, fathers, couples to navigate communication and that stuff? Okay. I have to say that whatever you think you're fighting about at home, you're not really fighting about. If you, want, if you ever think about all the differences you have, take a step back and ask yourself, what's the fear? What am I frightened of here? Because more often when couples, when they're accidental fathers or planned fathers or any situation, we can get quite spooked by our partner. And I think, James, in some of the things you already said, I can tell there's a little bit of spooking with Alex and where she goes in her mind. Um, but take, taking a step back and asking yourself, what's the fear? Mm. Because if we can actually manage fear inside of ourselves, we've got this whole relationship stuff licked. Like seriously, if we can manage um, our partner being really different from us, having different expectations in life, loving us in a way that we don't necessarily want, but that's all they can do, like if we can just not be frightened of everything that this other person uh, represents, I think that's that's the biggest gift. So to just step back and say, what am I frightened of here? Instead of having a go at them or becoming too devastated by a look on their face or their whatever, everyone's operating by their own relationship program, mm-hmm. our yeah. template, like we talked about with attachment theory. Ours are always going to be different from our partner. So... This is the same as when you have a child. It's always going to be different. That child is never going to be you. So please don't use the term mini-me. I really hate it. Um, <laughs> kill that off. Um, <laughs> let's steal that right, right now. Um, they're not mini-me. They are their own unique being with their own wants and desires and wishes. Um, and to just really allow each other to be separate we somehow do this thing when we meet someone, we, we love that they're this individual and we think you're fabulous, but then we don't actually like that they are an individual. We want them to be like we want them to be, to operate according to our relational template and to bring me the coffee I want or to think of me in the afternoon and send me a message or to whatever, 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 what? to celebrate my birthday with the knowing what gift to give me. Like I hate birthday presents, but for that reason, it's too much pressure. If I want something, I'll tell them what I want and that's the end of it or make me a card. There's just so much pressure and guess guess what I should give you and I hate it. Um, so it's just about celebrating that unique individual, but asking yourself, why does that difference frighten me? And I think that is probably the biggest gift. Why am I scared of someone who... <laughs> doesn't pack the dishwasher the way I like or doesn't want to get up in the middle of the night because they're exhausted. Mm-hmm. Why do I stop mm-hmm. seeing them as an individual? We don't yeah. own them. Yeah. But we kind of do this thing that says my partner, my wife, my husband, and then we, we do a mergey thing that they should be like us and it doesn't work. Mm. Got it? Got it. Yeah, amazing. Um, can I pick your brain about ADHD? Yeah, sure. Is that okay? Is that, no, please. Yeah, cool. So um, you mentioned before when you wrote the book that you took some ADD medication. You weren't just popping pills that you found no. or bought from someone. You you have ADHD. I and do, If yeah. you, people are listening regularly, they'll find out that I've literally just been diagnosed a week and a half ago. Amazing. So, um, so yeah, do you have any tips? Because, I mean, for me, really quickly this last week has been a game changer with work, life, even helping out with James and stuff on the podcast. 
it's just it's it's incredible and it's a compl- it's it's like someone has taken the autopilot off and the captain's come back to the oh, that's to such the a plane great and been description. Like, I love that. Yeah, being like whoa, 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 whoa like yeah. That's amazing. So, that's huge. I I totally relate to that. So yes, I do have ADHD as well. I was diagnosed uh, about six years ago okay. when my daughter was diagnosed. They often say when you find the child look for the adult yep. so there's usually a parent somewhere or uncle aunt somewhere yeah they said that to me as well okay said, who, who in your family has it and then like, you... mm-hmm. and <laughs> we're all normal yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in terms of adhd i the way i look at it it's an absolute gift yep. but there's a thief and the gift of adhd is that it can be a really creative mind a spontaneous mind it's got a lovely wavelength for a lot of people an energetic kind of wavelength it's quite zippy Yep. And people don't care if you talk over them. You know, it's like a it's like its own radio frequency, which I love. Zippy, um, fast, doesn't have to keep up with a storyline. Can move over in any direction. Yep. So I love the mind of ADHDers. Um, the thing is, there's a thief. The thief is that there can sometimes be something that's grinding against you, and grinding against the movement of the family and what others need. And for a lot of people, having a child is the most exhausting thing when they've got ADHD, especially undiagnosed, because they're just not getting enough sleep. And it is maddening when they're woken up in the night. And I'm not even saying you're getting up to feed or anything. I don't know, Ash. But for a lot of people, just not having enough sleep is really hard because it's already on a tired brain. The ADHD brain is one that is more limited in sort of um, vitality. Yeah. Um, and, and awakeness, yeah. Yeah. One of my friends was, we were playing, um, we went, well, we met up for a coffee and um, we were talking about his girls and how clever they, were, uh, they are. And um, I was like, give us some tips. Like, give me some tips for my daughter when she gets that age. And he's like, well, we just sit and we have a coffee in the morning. Um, they, they'll have breakfast. And we, we played Wordle together. And I was like, what, what's Wordle? Have you heard of Wordle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I love Wordle? it. Yeah, every yeah. day. So, yeah. Um, it's seven, seven letter word? Six five. Five-letter five, 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 yeah. word. Five-letter word. I've played it a lot. Um, but he's like, it's New York Times, just mm-hmm. search Wordle. Yep. And he goes, just think of, just put a five-letter word in. I could not think of a five-letter word. And this guy's known me for years. And, well, it's, it was actually Bart who was on the podcast. And I was like, what the hell? I'm like, and all I could think of was like, this guy must think I'm a freaking dumbass. Like. He must be going, what have I taken or, you know, it, it was like I could not think at all for the life of me. And then he's like, you know, just type in lucky or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay, lucky. And he goes, yes, yeah, so I see this. The, the U is acceptable. So think of a word with U. And yeah. I was like, oh, and I couldn't think of any word. I was unable to. It was mm-hmm. to my brain was the gone. cabinet. Of, yeah, it was yeah. like it was gone. Mm. Yeah, and it was on the spot as well. And maybe for a lot of people with ADHD, being on the spot reminds them of school and that was not always a great time for people because, you know, at the time that your natural intelligence and memory and, um, yeah, capacity to hold it all in mind, it it, it reaches a point for a lot of people around year nine, if they're lucky, um, but they all just start to dip and then the maths is gone and all sorts of things happen so yeah. being put on the spot, going, oh, I just don't even know, um, it might just be an old kind of response. Yeah, don't know. 
don't know. It was, but yeah, I was like, oh my god. But now it's like the the medication really helps. Um, Have you played Wordle since? Yes, I did okay. <laughs> so it's a good measure of. It's yes, a, yeah, like that's good. Is this working? Well, this is working. Yes, is, is it working? Yeah, yeah. I, went, I went home after he got the word and I got it in the first go. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he already showed me the word. Ah, in yeah. terms of any tips, there's a fantastic book by someone in America called Peter Shankman. I don't know if you've come across it. It's called Faster Than Normal. I've read it. Yeah, he's got some great tips in there. Years ago. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. Told me to read it. <laughs> yeah. He's also got a pod- podcast and things as well. But his book is a really good one yeah. for ADHDers. Um, got some great tips in there and things like um, how to get your dopamine levels up in it really quickly. So even coming in here, it's quite late coming in and I could feel my energy levels mm-hmm. going. I thought, oh, I'll just go and do some star jumps. That's from his book. Just the, I didn't do them. Yeah. But it's it just like, how do I kind of get my sort of self up yeah naturally yeah so even with medication you can still find these ways of just sort of boosting it yeah Yeah, it's really cool and and do any of your children have ADD yeah my younger daughter does yeah right and how's how's that um for you is it challenge like what what does that look like it's great now um it was a nightmare I have to say the first 14 Mm. years I could not understand what had happened to my beautiful girl like she her developmental trajectory just didn't go in a direction I thought at all. She's a really, she was a really bright kid, really curious, loved learning. And then all of a sudden everything was hard. And she was just, um, I don't know if you remember Roadrunner, the cartoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, beep, beep, run, run. And yeah. it was, everything was with the scramble and the dust behind it. Um, and everything was hard work. And she felt like she was always grinding against us. School was hard. And I, don't, I didn't think she was going to be able to stay at school. I thought that she would need something else and she's a really bright kid. And so it was quite shocking to think, what do I actually, where would your next step be? You know, because she's not disabled enough to go to a special needs school but she wasn't doing well at all. She was failing um, and not keeping up and I, I was really worried about her. And then I was just having a conversation with my partner who's a psychologist and he mentioned something about ADHD and then I looked into it and I said, oh, my goodness, it's her. And that was one of the best days of my life because then I thought, now we can do something to help her and, and that changed everything. I could understand all of her behaviours, all the scrambling, all the difficulties with concentrating. I took her to therapists before that. They had no idea. Mm. They were saying, mm. oh, she's just procrastinating. I mean, that is an ADHD um, ding-dong moment. Oh, yeah, I left everything to the last, last minute. minute. Like yeah. I would do my homework... Um, in the class before the homework was due. So I'd get to school and I'd do the first period's homework at before school. Cram, you're a crammer. Yeah, it wasn't cramming. cramming. cramming it's I just needed that pressure. Deadline. It's always the external pressure. You're yeah, right. right. That's yeah. it. So when did you find out you yeah. had – when were you diagnosed? I was about six years ago. Ah, so yeah. that after – After my daughter. So it was like, almost, okay, so this is like interesting. So it's like everything's making sense now. Yeah, <laughs> and then I started to look back at my life and go, oh, shit, <laughs> here we go. Now I can see all of these areas and some with um, what we used to call in my family spontaneity, which is actually impulsiveness, mm-hmm. um, part of the hyperactivity, impulsivity angle of um, ADHD. But for me, I just went and got medication. For my daughter, she got through school everything lifted within a really quick period of time. The medication was amazing until it wasn't. So for her, she lasted on it for about um, four years. By the end of the HSC, she was scrambling. She did it and she did well. She did really well, um, but it was so stressful. 
So so this is while she's on the medication? Yeah, yeah. It stopped holding. So the one she was on, she it's like a you know, drug. Yeah. <laughs> so you often end up needing more and more. Now I've been fortunate with mine that I haven't needed to go up. Um, I have days off as well. I take kind of little medication holidays. Yeah, other days here and there so that I can try not to become too dependent. Some medications work better for people than others, but she ended up just needing more and more and more of it, but she wasn't getting the benefit of it properly and she just, it was very stressful. Was um, she taking holidays or medication breaks as well? Not during the final year because she had to just keep working. She was at a really pressured school that kept her moving fast. Yeah, and okay. so there wasn't really the space for that. Yeah. But she she hasn't been on medication since the HSC. She finished it and she just said, I can't stand it. I'm off. Mm. And that's okay. It's her, her choices. It limits things like she didn't want to stay at university um, and that's okay. You know, she's got a, a relationship with her mind and body that, you know, is hers alone and she's studying at TAFE. So yeah, nice. she's yeah, cool. happy, yeah, awesome. really happy. Yeah, that's on, that's uh, it's great advice because obviously I've been worried about the medication and um, I mean, so I'm on dexamphetamines at the moment, five milligrams and I take two a day mm-hmm. and I haven't been able to put them down purely because of how well everything's going at the moment, like work and everything and I have full... Um, I I have full intentions to be taking some days off, but I'm like, when am I going to stop taking them? Well, maybe you yeah. just enjoy the fact that your brain's operating in a way that mm. you haven't had this kind of bliss. Yeah. And just well, to actually enjoy it. It doesn't need to happen now. It's just if you feel like it's not holding, then yeah. maybe see what happens then. But just I think for you, Ash, you know, it's a big thing to be diagnosed and clearly a huge amount of relief that yeah. there's some help out there for you. So just enjoy this time and let your brain get some happy stuff happening. Like, you know, just even home life being so relaxing. Enjoy. Yeah. Just enjoy the, the benefit of it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. It's a big thing. Hmm. You're going to get diagnosed, James? <laughs> I don't know. We're all on the spectrum somewhere, aren't we? All of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder where I am on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm. It might be the baby that breaks the uh, camel's back for you. Yeah, I definitely have those anxious perfectionist um, qualities, uh, I and I'll, I'll, you know I'm very like go go go, but I can concentrate and focus very well. Mm. Mm. So I have that. I never feel like I'm scrambling. I'm very organised, but I I can get thrown off sometimes if things aren't you know the control. I think it's the control thing as well. I like how you said it's the fan. Was it the fantasy? <laughs> the fantasy of control. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. That's how I feel like on an aeroplane because you have no control on an aeroplane. Mm. I'm like, I'm at the guilt. I'm at the mercy of the of the gods here. Yeah. It's. Yeah, I hear that one. I'm not a flyer. I, lo- I do fly, <laughs> but I hate flying, and it's the one area I just haven't been able to kind of gather myself properly. I'm a really bad flyer. Oh, we had a bumpy ride today. Did you? Home. Oh my okay. god, taking off is like. Whoo, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm always looking P-plater. at... P-plater. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not looking at people where he's, is this normal? And I'm pretty sure I let out a feel like, <laughs> you know, we're on, right on the back of the plane, you know, yeah. it has like a little bit more turbulent. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. That's, yeah. the, that's the worst in the time. Yeah, like, so much like, like this, right? I always book on the wings. Yeah, the wings is, is the best. And it's also the safest because it's got the most structure on the plane. Oh, yeah. It's all lovely, isn't it? It's that yeah. fantasy again. Fantasy of... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll go on the wings. That'll stop anything happening. Well, yeah. What about business class? <laughs> Nothing happens that goes wrong in business class, does it? Yeah, you yeah. know, just joking. I'm, I'm also happy to fly over land. I wouldn't. Lo- mm. This is my worst. If I was to 
um, give you my worst um, way of dying would be plane crash in the ocean, not dying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and just bobbing up and down with a life jacket. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's we quite had, an elaborate fear, this one, isn't and it? And then getting attacked by sharks. Oh, so it's got the double, <laughs> yeah. the, the, okay. Yeah, that's but that's not until. Mutilation. Not, yeah, drown, but I'm, I'm not drowning. Not drowning. Or maybe I start to, I get nibbled by sharks. Maybe and then, a shark drags it down. Yeah. I do need to promise you that you won't even get to the shark. Oh, really? If there's a plane crash like that, yeah. You know, you it's, you know it's funny because I, you get those people doing running through the safety things every time. If I if this ever happened, I still wouldn't know where to blow because I just tune out. I wouldn't know where the whistle is. I don't know where the cords are. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they're speaking. And I just... I'm, Headphones I'm, on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched it a thousand times and I don't think I'd know what to do if it happened. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, illusions of control. That's my... Yeah, sharks are a big, an un- irrational fear for me. Mm. Anyway. Cool. Well, should we wrap it up? We could do. Have you got any, any um, anything else you'd like to add or anything? Yeah, I think what I want to say is being in a relationship is a privilege, not a right. And I really want people to get that. That it's we can be with someone, but it doesn't mean it's going to last or it doesn't mean it's going to be of quality. So if everybody really is responsible for what they bring to a relationship... And they bring 100%. Like I've had so many people in therapy with me say things like, I'm only 50% responsible, you're responsible for the other 50. And I'm just like, nah, cut that crap out. You are 100% responsible for yourself in this relationship and what you do. And I think for me, I'm just on a journey that is trying to help people see that, that they actually need to do the work mm-hmm. uh, and not just expect their partners there for them, that they, our partner was not put on this planet for us at all not their job there's nothing that they should have to do above and beyond anything um you know respect yes that's nice but i think the more that we can just see them as a separate individual and we keep doing our work and not impose things on them we'll all be so much happier for that yeah, i've seen great. many many destroyed relationships when people don't see that and are they, and they, are they like unrealistic expectations absolutely of your partner? absolutely and now even um it, people talk about the love languages now i don't have a problem with identifying one's love language that's all very nice but I don't believe it's our partners. It's not their um, job to make it right for us. Why don't we do the work and say, hey, why is that my love language? Why do I want you to go and buy me a piece of cake when you're out and think of me? Why do I need that? Mm. So if we can all sort of grab our needs and wants and desires and ask the question, why do I have that? Be curious. Don't judge them, but just be curious. Then we're not going to be imposing, you didn't get me cake on the way home. You went past the shop, whatever it is, you know, whatever their love language is. So... It's how do we give freedom to our partner to be them Mm. and we do the work on ourselves and not keep looking at them and saying, why aren't you who I need you to be for me to feel safe? Yeah, it's really good. And I I heard Jay Shetty say something really good today as well, just because, and it was around a quality of time, love language. It's like, just because you're spending time with your partner doesn't mean you're spending your energy with the partner or you're Mm. present because you could be both there on your iPads. But, you know, we've just gone to holiday on holiday together, but we weren't present with each other. We were just we were in our own little silos, so it's really important that you're also sharing that energy with each other, not just the time. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really great. Actually, on that, how much damage would be caused by a couple that aren't getting along, and then they're sitting there watching a perfect world on Instagram, scrolling? Like, is that yeah. like a does that is that like sort of a fuel onto the fire sort of situation? Great question. It's um yeah because they feel very ashamed often. Yeah, for a lot of couples who are in the land of hell together, 
they've got a lot of shame. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of distress. And then they see these beautifully curated images and they know that they're nothing like that. Yeah. So get off and the so iPads and off. Have yeah. a conversation or go to therapy, do the work, read some books. There's yeah. lots of uh, there's online courses for people to help their relationship and communicate better. Um, I've got one <laughs> online. It's called Fight Less, Love More. But there's lots of help out there, great podcasts. Yeah. People are doing amazing stuff. So, Like Accidental Fatherhood. Accidental Fatherhood. <laughs> of course, of course. So, yeah, just people need to do the work. Actually, can, can I um, – I gave some advice to a friend the other day who was having a bit of trouble with their partner. Um, not trouble, but they were just – and I was like, you just go home and force the issue and have sex. Just force sex. Is there any – Forcing sex. Well, not forcing. No, Jesus. There is consent, I think you're yeah, saying. Full consent. Full consent. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, but, you know, like you don't always want to – like when you're arguing with your girlfriend, you don't want to – you're like, well, I don't really find you attractive. Some people, I guess, would have – there's been times where it gets hot and heavy when you're having an argument. But is there anything – like obviously you're not attracted to them at that time, but is there any like um, – psychological evidence to say yeah it's a good it's a good way it's a good tool to actually get things back on track yeah like totally forced in, well not forced in well sense, it's you're talking about kind of um having a planned session in some way yeah making sure that it happens as opposed to just getting left off the agenda like schedule, really, s- scheduling yeah. sex yeah so saying? yeah and it's much. not it's really a good idea because what i see is especially after having kids some people don't really get back into it not properly, and sex becomes about making the next child the next child, but not as much about the couple. Mm-hmm. Having sex to – you didn't get this experience, but having sex to be in a couple is very different from having sex to become parents. It's a different quality because mm-hmm. it's got something different in the mind. <laughs> yeah, you had it for 12 weeks. And yeah. it was good, right? Yeah, it was great. It's different. It's different sex. Um, but there, what I would say is it's really important to keep having sex. It's an incredibly special glue between partners and it's the thing that makes us different from flatmates, from siblings, a friend, anyone else. Having yeah. sex is important. I wouldn't force it but I would make yeah. sure it's happening. Um, and I was reading something the other day that said for couples who put it in, say, once a week, that they actually schedule it, what they often find is it's like a muscle and then they end up having it in between as well. Yep. So they end up wanting it, they, they're, they're drawn to each other more because they're enjoying that glue aspect of it. So, yeah, yeah I, definitely. Never think, let it get off the agenda. I also think for men, that's sometimes what we need for intimacy as well and feel connected to our partner. It really is a really strong intimate um, connection. For, for men sometimes need that kind of – I know for me when I, you know, when I have sex with my partner, I, afterwards I just feel really connected to them. It feels really intimate and like – you know, brings us together. Yeah, absolutely. It feels really good. And that's for a lot of men. And I think you're raising an important point that women will look at that and say, he just wants to have sex. But what often gets missed is what you're saying. It's not just sex. You know, otherwise you could just masturbate if it's just about getting off. It's actually connection. Mm-hmm. And feeling that intimacy and knowing that you've got this thing together, this, this important contact. So I think it's really important because when things start to turn south for couples, women will often revert to he just wants sex. It's not true. Some do, but most want that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they're not as necessarily as wordy and they don't have to be. Not everyone has to use their words in the same way. It's great that you can, but lots of people can't. Yeah. And sex is like take out 40,000 words and have a, have a good yeah. time together. <laughs> <laughs>
can't be bothered talking. Let's have sex. Yeah. <laughs> it's my love language. Yeah, what's going on here? I'll tell you in the bedroom. Go get naked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Some really good words. So, Lizzie, where can people find you? We'll, we'll put some links in our, in this episode, but where can people find you and where's your book available? Do you want to just share some sure. of that? Sure. Um, my book's available at all leading bookstores across the country, online as well at Dimix, Angus and Robertson, Booktopia, Amazon, those ones. Um, it can also be purchased on my website, which is lissyabrahams.com. And on there I've got resources and blogs and ebooks that people can have a look at. They can join the community. It's a sweet little community at this point. Um, and as I mentioned, there's a course there as well, which yeah. has a personalizable guide for people to work through that journey of their on their own. Yep. It's deeper than the book. But they go really well together. And who is this perfect for? If you were to say this is perfect Anyone for... in a relationship, to be honest. Yeah, awesome. Even if they're not having difficulties, it's it's really that. How do you do you in a relationship yeah. and do the best you? You want to recommend it to single people? Yeah, absolutely. To work on their before, if they're, you know, if they've got issues working yeah. on themselves before they get into a relationship. Or they've just been in one yeah. and they want to understand what happened to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, cool. And a lot of it also applies to friendships, colleagues at work, what we're doing there. You know, they're, they're relational, the, the wiring's there, Yeah. depending on where we are. It's just that it's most intense with our partner. Yeah. Because yeah. how you show up in one area of your life is how you show up everywhere, right? And it's yeah. your interpersonal relationships with anyone, not just, but it's concentrated when it's just together. Yeah, that's the word, concentrated. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, thanks so, so much for sharing your gift with everyone, Lissy, and coming yeah. along. And um, you came from Sydney as well, which is awesome to have you here in person. So, thank you for having me. It's been yeah. great fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so awesome. much. Um, thanks, thanks, everyone. Much. We'll see you next episode. Great.